Welcome to the Mill Housing Nation podcast, where we are having conversations that matter for wherever the military has taken you. We're bringing you stories from real military spouses who not only understand the challenges, they are harnessing the opportunities to build lives they can love. From new spouses to veteran spouses, you'll get tips, tricks, and actionable steps that will help you along your military life journey. Hello, welcome everyone. This is Heather Campbell, and we are so thankful that you have joined us on the Mill Housing Nation podcast, where we dive into the uniqueness of the military family journey by helping you build a life, a community, and a home you love when you are not in control of where you will call home next. Okay, everyone, today we are going to talk about a super uncomfortable topic, changes in military pay. And I hate this. I know my peers in this community, you guys hate this too. I feel like whether it's due to a move or due to congressional changes, right when we get a good thing going and we have a feel for what to expect, it suddenly changes. And I guess that's the one constant in our life in general, especially in the military community, is change is constant. So with that, we are going to talk today about some of the changes in military pay that are happening in 2023. But first, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors for this episode, Navy Mutual and Caliber Home Loans. We will hear from them a little bit later in this episode. As you guys know, whenever we are talking about these topics, I will try to break it up into actionable pieces that you can sort of take and look at and and separate and and take notes on, right, if you need to. So today we're going to sort of break this up in two ways. Regular pay and changes that have happened in the military pay system for things that we're familiar with. And then we're going to talk about some of the new things towards the end of today's episode, things like the basic needs allowance and changes to parental leave. but. First, let's get started with the important stuff, changes to military pay. Now, typically, this information is going to be most applicable for those who are still serving in the military, who have not retired, who have not gotten out, but who are still actively serving. And before I talk about that, I do want to give a quick update to anybody who is a disabled vet or receives retirement pay from the military. You guys did get a little bit of change. As all of these changes happen, you should know that these are from Congress. These are acts of Congress. You know, we have that term of endearment or that term of explanation. Oh, it takes an act of Congress. No, this literally takes an act of Congress. Congress has to pass the National Defense Authorization Act every single year. It is a piece of legislation that we know is required to be passed. So lots of things get earmarked with that to sort of fast track them into legislation. Now, with this year, With 2023, the NDAA, one of the things that changed is related to pay. But before that, there was a cost of living adjustment done by the federal government that determined that anybody who is receiving retirement pay or pay as a disabled veteran, you guys are going to get an 8.7% raise. So check your finances, look into your records, make sure that your information has updated and that it is looking like there's been a little bit of an increase. Again, that cost of living adjustment that was determined is 8.7% raise for our retirees and our disabled vets. Okay, now for those of us who are still in this military life, like myself, we are still an active duty family. We have some changes that came through the NDAA. So ours is not cost of living adjustment based. Ours is through that National Defense Authorization Act. One of the things first off is an increase in base pay. This is just the basic pay. You can go to the defense finance website. You can pull this up. Anybody can search it. 
It's public record. Look up your rank and how long you've been serving and boom, there it is. That's how much you're getting paid. So this is your base pay. This is something that is constant no matter where you move. This is going to be the same. Now, there is a 4.6% increase this year, which is one of the highest raises that we've gotten in the military, one of the highest in two decades. Unfortunately, inflation is still higher than that. So we are still behind the curve on inflation. Yes, we got a great raise, but we are still behind from last year's raise not keeping up with inflation in addition to this year's raise not keeping up with inflation. So while we got a nice raise, you might not notice it when it comes down to the household finances with how much you're actually spending on things. You might find that your raise is not keeping up, but it is important to know there was a 4.6% raise in your income for base pay. Another thing that went up is the basic allowance for subsistence. This is what they call the food allowance. This allowance is designed to cover the food for the service member only. This number does not change if you have dependents. This number does not change based on rank. It is strictly if you are enlisted, there is a number. And if you are an officer, there is a number. It doesn't matter if you're a butter bar lieutenant or a general. It doesn't matter if you are an airman basic or a chief. Everybody gets the same, either enlisted or officer. Now, that rate this year did go up 11%, which sounds like a really great raise. But because this number is so low to begin with, it's not really making a dent in what we're seeing. We know that groceries have gone up about 45% in the last couple of years. So an 11% increase in the food allowance is helpful, definitely, but not super noticeable. For enlisted members, now they will receive $452.56 per month to help cover that grocery bill. That's an increase of about $45 from 2022. Officers are going to receive $311.68. That's an increase of about $36. So the increase is welcomed. Of course, if you guys have seen the cost of groceries, you will know that any increase in the paycheck is helpful. However, you might find that an extra $35 or an extra $45 doesn't go very far for your family's food budget. However, those are the increases that we're seeing. So again, that's a 4.6% raise in basic pay, 11% raise in that BAS. Now, depending on where you live, lots of locations also saw an increase in the basic allowance for housing. That's going to depend on where you're located and the surveys that they do. And there's a whole bunch of just puzzle pieces that go into making that decision. So make sure that you are checking in on those numbers. See if your number has gone up. See if your number has gone down. And likewise, if you are renting, make sure that you're checking in with your landlord or your military housing and ask and say, well, maybe if you're private renting, don't ask if the rent is going up. But if you are in that military housing, ask them, hey, I see that you guys are getting an extra $400 per month from every single family on base. Are we going to get something new in the neighborhood? Are you doing more updates to the homes? I think that it is important to hold these private military companies accountable for the services that they are legally bound to be providing for military families. And if they're getting paid more money, it's realistic to ask if they're going to do more for us rather than just pocket record profits. So those are things to be considering. There is no definite increase in other bonuses or enlistment bonuses or retention bonuses. Now, the NDAA did change some of those limits. So if that is something that's part of your career field, part of your pay, you might want to look into that. Or if you're expecting one, you've got a reenlistment bonus coming up. 
Those are things to look into of how that number changed, how that will factor into the decision-making for your family. But for now, we know standard for every service member, 4.6% raise in your basic pay, 11% raise in that BAS, and in some places, a raise in that basic allowance for housing. Now we're gonna take a quick pause. We're gonna hear from our sponsors, Navy Mutual and Caliber Home Loans. Trust is everything. For 140 years, Navy Mutual has been safeguarding your family and your future. Navy Mutual's financial strength and stability ensures they'll be there when you need them the most. They are there to provide members high quality, low cost life insurance and annuities, educate the military and uniform service community at large on matters of financial security, and to help members secure their earned survivor benefits. With commitment, competence, and character, for Navy Mutual, it's all about trust. A nationwide lender with branches across the country, Caliber Home Loans Incorporated is staffed with local experts who are eager to share their knowledge and help you realize your dream of homeownership. Caliber is committed to meeting the specific mortgage needs of the brave men and women of the United States Armed Forces who serve our country with resolute sacrifice and bravery. Their combination of our user-friendly technology and the professional guidance of their loan consultants creates a smooth route to homeownership. All right, welcome back, everybody. Again, thank you to our sponsors. We cannot do what we do here at the Mill Housing Network and the Mill Housing Nation podcast without them. So we are so thankful to have them on board for supporting this community. Now, we've already talked about some of those standard changes, some of those things we know are happening with our paychecks in the military. But I want to talk a little bit about some things that have changed. Now, one of the things that has come out through the NDAA is a change and through the Department of Defense, a change in parental leave. Previously, there was a distinction of, you know, primary parent or secondary parent, or I think they called it birthing parent and non-birthing parent, or they've used different terminology. And that seems to have gone away. And all parents are entitled to 12 weeks of parental leave. Now, it's my understanding that this is a little bit different than say the convalescent leave that you would take if you gave birth. So I am not sure. I am not active duty military and I am not having any babies anymore. So this is something that's worth following up on with your supervisor, following up with your contacts and seeing exactly how your unit is going to be implementing this. But there is a standard out there by law to have 12 weeks. Now it is up to each department, each branch of military, of how they are actually going to administer that, how they're going to govern this. How is this actually going to work with some of these career fields and some of these locations? Not everyone can spare a member of the office for a full 12 weeks. So there's some flexibility and there's definitely some figuring out to happen to see how this will work. But in general, that is what's out there. And although this is not something that my family was able to take advantage of, I love this. When we had our children, my husband was entitled to 10 days of paternal leave as the father, and that was it. We had one of our kids got readmitted to the NICU. Well, I guess he was he was in the NICU, and then he got readmitted to the pediatric floor at 17 days old. So having that extra leave where he was still at home, and at the time we had a 13-month-old who was very sick and was getting surgery. We had our baby, then the next week our our one-year-old had surgery, and then the next week we were a week and a half later, we are back in the hospital with the newborn. So I will say having my husband home would have been really, really beneficial. That would have been a huge stress reliever, not only with baby one, but with baby two. We had a sick toddler and a very sick newborn, and I would have very much welcomed 
an extra adult for some sanity. I think it would have made a big difference in our family dynamic, in my mental health, in my recovery, and our ability to bond as a young family. So again, while I have not taken advantage of this, this is not something that will benefit my family. I love that we are taking this approach to saying, yes, families are important, getting time together to support the recovery of entering a new family member, whether you're adopting or fostering or or birthing. There's a lot that happens with adding a new human into your family and adding a new routine. So I am here for it. I love this. Great job here on the 12 weeks of leave for all parents. Another new thing that's happened, granted, the leave is not necessarily finance related, but it is paid leave. So that is somewhat related to what we're talking about with changes in military pay. This next one is a huge change. Something that started this year in 2023, it started January 1st, is an allowance called the Basic Needs Allowance. I'm going to be honest, on paper, it sounds great. But when you actually look at it, it's really tricky to see who it's going to help and how. Now, the Basic Needs Allowance is designed to help some of our most junior families who are struggling to make ends meet, who are struggling to put food on the table and maybe don't qualify for other assistance. The tricky part is the Basic Needs Allowance uses all the same qualifications as the other assistance that these members aren't qualifying for. For example, for food stamps, now known as SNAP, which is Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, for SNAP benefits, the federal government uses basic allowance for housing and says, hey, that housing allowance that you have is available for food. Now we know that BAH is designed to only cover 95% of the cost of your housing. So not only is it not covering your housing, that housing bucket, if you will, is a little bit short. We're putting extra into the housing bucket to cover the housing cost. But we look at SNAP benefits. The federal government is saying, oh, that housing money over there that's supposed to cover your housing that doesn't even cover the cost of housing yeah, we're going to count that as available for food and and you don't qualify now. So there's a lot of discussion about this among advocacy groups. There's a lot of discussion about this with our representatives in Congress talking about getting this eliminated. It has not passed. There was a push for it last year, and I hope that it gains traction. But we have family members and military members who are having a hard time putting food on the table. We know according to Department of Defense data, that one in four military families are struggling to put food on the table and they can't qualify for benefits like food stamps or SNAP. Well, they've created this basic needs allowance, which these family members also can't qualify for because it uses basic allowance for housing. It uses BAH as well. That said, the basic needs allowance is designed for anybody who's under 150% of the federal poverty level, you can, you can Google that number. You can pull it up. For reference, WIC eligibility for women, infants, and children is 180%. SNAP eligibility is 130 So they've sort of picked a middle ground and said, hey, if you're below this number, we'll give you this extra allowance that brings you up to that number. The tricky part is, once you get this basic needs allowance, it counts towards your income for things like SNAP benefits. So where maybe you qualified for SNAP benefits before, if you're part of the very small population that qualified, if you opt in to the basic needs allowance, you will now not qualify for SNAP benefits. So where you might have possibly gotten a couple hundred dollars worth of food, you're now going to lose that by taking this taxable extra allowance. So I would strongly caution any family to make sure you're taking a look at your entire finance picture. Look at your benefits. Look at the services that are available to you. Really have that deep dive and that difficult conversation of which of these options is better. If you are in a situation where you're looking at SNAP benefits or you're looking at the basic needs allowance, do that 
that pros and cons of which one is really going to serve the needs of your family the best, because ultimately you want to have a safe, stable and provided for family. And it comes down to what will provide for your family the best. So again, the basic needs allowance looks great on paper. However, it's very difficult to qualify. Actually, just in 2023, early January, a research group came out and said that the basic needs allowance as currently designed is going to help less than 1% of the people it was designed to help. So there's a lot of barriers. There's a lot of victory in getting this through the legislation. However, now that we're looking at implementation and what does this actually mean and how do we actually help families, there's a lot of work to do. So if you are interested in learning more about that, I would encourage you to go online, find some of the advocacy groups that are in this conversation that are looking at military pay and benefits and compensation that are working in food insecurity and really start finding out what conversations are happening and how you can come alongside of those to voice your concern, to add your support for their advocacy efforts and really make sure that we are communicating efficiently and effectively what is needed for military families. Now, again, to quick recap, today in this episode, we have talked about two different sides of military pay and changes that have happened. One, we have the pay that happened, the changes through the National Defense Authorization Act. That's our 4.6% raise for basic pay, an 11% raise in BAS, and in some places, a change in that BAH, that housing allowance. For retirees and disabled vets, there was an 8.7% raise based on cost of living adjustment. and. For those who are growing their families currently, there have been some changes to parental leave. There is now 12 weeks allowed for parents. And also we have the new basic needs allowance designed to help get families to that 150% of the federal poverty level. However, it may interfere with your SNAP eligibility. So it is important to meet with a financial advisor, to talk to somebody at your installation, meet with the finance office and really explore what is the best option for making sure that the needs of your family are met in the best way that will stretch your dollar the farthest and ultimately create that stability for you. As always, thank you for being here and be sure to subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends. We appreciate the feedback and comments that you share with us as we support our military community. Thank you for being a part of the Mill Housing Nation. We appreciate you. And the Mill Housing Nation is where you will always have a sense of community no matter where you are stationed.